0: Thank you, musicians, singers. The Lord bless you. Turn with me again, please, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith's Hall of Fame, as it's known. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning to read at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months. Now take note, that's not Moses' faith here. That's the faith of his parents being added down. They hid him. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called to the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had recon- respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured uh, seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians are said to do were drowned. We'll stop there. We know the Lord will add a blessing to the reading of his own word again, but we'd ask you just to keep your Bibles open for we will refer to this scripture and others as we go on with the message. Let us pray. Father, we have been singing through the name above all names. Lord Jesus, your name is higher than any other Lord, help us to look to you. Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on the Christ of God. Help us tonight, Lord, to focus our attention on the Holy One. Help us, Lord, to behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Lord, we ask you tonight, Lord, just to speak to our hearts as you see fit and to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen. We entitled this Choose Christ. And this is part two, although it will be completely different than part one. I just want to round up where we left in part one, and it was two weeks ago, so I want to give you a brief synopsis. You know, when we're reading about Moses, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. The idea was that they knew as being Hebrews that the God of Israel was still on the throne. And although the king of Egypt had declared a decree that children were to be massacred, that they took by faith that God would protect Moses. He was a proper child means he was a Hebrew child, He was an Israelite, but it means he was a child of divine favor. Moses, as we know, is then set in the Nile, and God, through his providence, has Pharaoh's daughter take him, look after him, and the handmaids become Hebrew handmaids. So Moses is hearing of the scriptures. Moses is hearing the word of God as he grows up. And we ended up last week in show, or the last message showing you how Moses, that he was not only a proper child, but Moses was a man of the law, but he was also a man of faith. That grace poured out upon Moses enabled him to be able to carry out the work of the Lord. Here we have Moses even looking around the palatial riches and pleasures of the palaces of Pharaoh. And as he looks around and he sees all of these luxuries, Moses chooses not to stay with these pleasures of sin, which are for a season. But Moses sees and endures, seeing him who was invisible. Moses saw Christ. Moses had the burning bush that spoke to him from the bush saying, I am that I am, would send him. Moses had tremendous encounters with the living God because Moses believed in God, endured him, uh, seeing him who is invisible, and Moses stepped out in faith, knowing that God would take his own word and his word would not return unto him void. Moses, we are told, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. Here we're told there's a time and a place where Moses, when he was come to years, had a decision to make. Now, I'm not going into the doctrine of when or if, can or when does someone come to years. But Moses here, it gives the idea that Moses, during his time in Egypt, growing up, he was put upon him a diadem of Egypt. You are a prince in Egypt. And Moses, growing up, takes it off and casts it to the ground. And we're told in jest, Josephus, a Jewish historian, tells us this now. He says that they believe that Moses had this placed upon him time and time and time again. That he would grow into the princely shape of Pharaoh. That he would be adopted into the family of the Egyptians. But Moses refused time again living in Moses' house. He had to obey Moses' rules. There's a rule for you young person. When you're under your mother and father's roof you obey the rules. And Moses threw down the diadem again and again and again until he grew up. And when he grew up, it means he was come to maturity. He was come to years when he could refuse. And we're told he casts it down. That's the writings of the Jews, of Josephus, the Jewish historian. And at that point, he refuses all to do with Egypt. He chooses Christ. He had in his mind's eye. He had the vision. He had the faith of eternity and eternal things. Can I ask you something tonight? Do you have the vision of eternal things? Have you thought of eternity and where you will spend eternity? Moses chose Goshen and Israel. The things of God for in Goshen. When the flies, the plague of flies were swarming around, there wasn't a fly came in to the dwelling of Goshen where Israel lived. God had spoken. Imagine God speaking to a wee fly. You're not to go into Goshen. When their cattle died, Israel's didn't die. When God brought a plague of great darkness that they couldn't see one uh, uh, past the end of their nose, we're told that the Israelites had light in their dwelling. And there's darkness everywhere else. And Moses seen the power and the glory of the living God. And he said, it's Christ for me. Friend, there are many times that people will witness to you and you know That there's a reality in the things of God. And you will know that God is living. God is real. That God is alive. I even find that foolish for me to have to say that. That I know that God is living. I only live and move and have my being because of God. And so do you. None of us are promised tomorrow. Neither our next heartbeat or our breath. For our breath is in our nostrils. Moses endured as seeing him who was invisible. In other words, Christ was more real to Moses than Pharaoh. Christ and his reward was more real to Moses than Pharaoh's palaces which sheltered him from the sun and from the rain and from the nighttime that gave him all his fleshly carnality, worldly pleasures. And he says, this will die. And I will die and can't take it with me. But Christ is eternal. And he chose Christ. I want to make it plain and clear, as I did before, that men and women can only choose Christ by a sovereign act and move of the Holy Spirit in their life. But if God is sovereignly moving in your heart, then you must respond in faith. Believing in him with all of your heart. Listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter 5 and 4. He says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, we shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Moses says, I don't want the diadem of Egypt. I don't want to be adopted into the things of Pharaoh or the things of the world as we would have today. Moses says, I want to have the adoption of the Holy Ghost into the family of God. And there's a crown led up for us who are in Christ. A crown of glory that fadeth not away. The riches, the pleasures, the sin, and the treasures of Egypt will all fade away. Moses chose Christ. He had a consciousness of God, a consciousness of eternal things, a consciousness of God's covenants, plans, promises, and purposes. He had a consciousness of the will of God for his life, the power of God in his life, the kingdom of God for him to live his life in. Moses had a consciousness of God and of his Christ. He had a consciousness of the wrath of God and a consciousness of the judgment of God and he had a consciousness of the love of God. The same God who judged Egypt The same God who brought the waters upon the Egyptians when Israel were on the other side. The exact same God, Moses was conscious of him for he knew an eternal destiny that he would spend with Christ. Are you assured of your eternal destiny that you will spend it with Christ which is far better, far better than Pharaoh? far better than the treasures and the pleasures and the sins and the seasons of this world, far better than all we could ever ask or expect or think of, far better is to be with Christ. It says in our reading in Hebrews 11 and verse 28, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest He that destroyed the firstborn should be touched. She touched them rather. She touched them. Moses through faith kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Next is chapter 12. The Lord comes to Moses and he says, Moses, go to Israel and tell them to take a lamb of the first year. A lamb that is spotless. A lamb with no blemish. Take him and slay him. Take his blood, put it in a bucket. Take hyssop and put it upon the doorposts and put it upon the door lintels of their houses. Strange thing to tell anyone to do. But Lord, why would you want to slay a little lamb? And Lord, why would you want to put blood on doorposts and the door lintels of every home? The Lord says, for this night... I will pass through Egypt. Notice he's coming as a death plague. He says, and a death angel. He says, I will pass through Egypt. Through in wrath and through in judgment. He says, I will pass through Egypt. And the blood shall be for thee as a token. The word token here means it shall be like a beacon you go to Belfast and the airport near there, you'll see the tallest buildings and maybe the cranes of and Harland and Wolf, shipyard builders there. You'll see that the, the, the red flashing lights at night. Those beacons are to tell the plane, look, don't come over this way. Don't come over this way. If you cry, you will not make it into the airport. Don't come over this way. It's a flashing light, a beacon. And that's what the Lord means. He says, The blood shall be for you like as a token or a beacon. And when I'm passing through, listen to what he says. When I see the blood, the token, the beacon, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Like a plane that would swerve away from those great grains lest they crash into them. The Lord says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The Lord didn't say, when I see you've been to university, or when I see you've been to college, or when I see that you've been a good person, or when I've seen you've given plenty of money to the church, or done alms and deeds, and you've helped people all your life. He didn't say that. He didn't say, when I see what denomination you're in and you come from. He didn't say, when I see how intelligent you are. There's only one thing that God will recognize in the day of judgment and wrath and it's the blood of the Lamb. It's only the blood. Christ, the Lamb of God, shed his blood for us and God will only recognize for our redemption, salvation and forgiveness that the wrath of God would pass over us is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only his blood and nothing else. It's not who you are and what you can do and how blessed you can be. It's the blood of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Every Israelite put blood in the house. The Lord passed over. That's why we have Passover. The Lord passed over. Moses kept that by faith. He kept the ordinance until the Lamb of God came, the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God taketh away the sin of the world, John the Baptist cried. And that Lamb was pure and spotless, without blemish and holy. He was impeccable. And he was nailed to the cross. What will you say in that day? What will be your plea when you stand before Christ at the great white throne of judgment? What will be your plea in that time when the Lord says, What have you done with my son? Have you chosen Christ? Moses chose Christ and Moses may have died not seeing, as it were, the manifest fullness of the literal physical kingdom of God on earth. But it seems like Moses' faith was in vain, for now he goes to the grave and where is Moses and what is the end of Moses' faith? Revelation chapter 15 tells us something marvelous. There is a great throng around the throne and Christ will return and set up his marvelous kingdom and the redeemed saints of God stand around to praise him and to worship him and to give glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told, and they sing the song of Moses. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. I wonder what they're singing. Well, we have an example. We'll not go to it tonight. You can read it when you go home. Exodus 15, Deuteronomy chapter 22. There's two songs. Some say one is the song of Moses, and Deuteronomy 22 is called the song of God. You can make your own mind up, but you read it. God's deliverance, God's salvation, God's redemption, baptizing them under the cloud and through the sea. Saying it's all of him, everything is of him. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, Thy King of saints. Moses is found in the redemption choir. Here's the thing. Will you be found there? Will you be there? You can only come if you know and experience the song of the Lamb. So Moses, his parents, Hebrew Israelites... He carry down the scriptures into Moses even as he's growing up in Pharaoh's palaces. We told you before about the the grounding of faith that Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 to Timothy about the unfeigned faith that is in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. Timothy had something within him grounded of faith, but he had to have his own faith, not his grandmother's faith, nor his mother's faith. He had to have his own faith, but it was passed down. And I wonder what the legacy is that we're passing down to our children. Do our children see us sitting on a Friday night or a Saturday night, sitting with the carryout out down the side of the chair in the blue bag as it carries, as you carry it home? Do our children see us that we're outside and we're arguing and fighting and we're getting carried on in the world Does our children see a father who's abusive to the mother because they'll grow up thinking those things and knowing those things. Do they see a mother who's unfaithful to the father and unfaithful in the home? What do our children see? What is the legacy? Do our children see us with a gaudy lifestyle? Hear us praying in our bedrooms? Bringing us in for a family altar? Talking about the saviour? Giving thanks around the table? What do our children see? What is the legacy that we're leaving behind for our children? Our children see us sitting at home when the church of the Lord is meeting to keep the doors open for a witness. That's how they'll grow. That's what they'll think. That's what you do. Moses passed down something to Joshua. Turn with me, please, to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I'll just read a few verses Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead now. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto a land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Joshua was Moses' minister. He heard Moses. He had been with Moses on a regular basis, probably a daily basis. And this was being handed down, seeing what God had done when a man stepped out in faith and believed God on the bare word. But Moses now has died. And Joshua is sitting in his grief because he loved Moses. He relied on Moses. He depended on Moses. But the God of Moses was whom he saw. It was the God of Moses whom he depended on. It was the God of Moses who was the same when Moses was dead. The God of Moses comes to Joshua. I say this, while we can be encouraged by the faith of others, we cannot live on their faith, nor by their faith. Nor can we go by their experience of the things of God. We must have our own walk, our own faith in Christ, and our own experience with God. We must get our own anointing, And our own development in the Lord. Growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must come to years as Moses did. In other words as Christian believers. We must grow in the Lord. And you must have your own walk with Christ. Moses when he was come to years. Refused. To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter many Christians are saying, okay, it's easier. Okay, it's handy. Okay, we can do those things. Okay, nobody minds. Okay, God's grace covers it. Now live like devils. You and I must step out in faith into that which is unknown to us. Trusting in the sovereignty and the providence of God. I want to show you a few things about the sovereignty and the providence of God. Verse 3 says this: Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. First of all, here is sovereign ownership. Here is sovereign ownership. You can only lawfully be given something when someone who owns it gives it to you. Now let me say it again. You can only lawfully be given something when the person, someone who owns it, gives it to you. Listen to what the scriptures say about the Lord's sovereign ownership. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. God said to Joshua, Moses is dead. Get your own walk. Moses is dead, Joshua. It's time to grow up in me. Moses is dead. It's time for you to step out in faith in me. He says, therefore, arise and go. Imagine God coming and standing before you and saying, dry your eyes and get on with it. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Sovereign ownership, God owns the earth and he says, I have given it to Israel. I have given it to you, Joshua, to lead them in. It's a done deal. It's mine, and I'm giving it to you. How great is our God, we sing. And how great is he that when we think that all that he owns, the heavens and the earth, yet he gives us even greater than a parcel of land, he gives us his prized possession, his only begotten son. Giving him for you. (coughs) Sovereign ownership of the earth was the Lord's, and God chose to give it. That's my second point. He says, That have I given unto you. Let's read verse 3 Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Here is sovereign choice. I want to say it again. Here is sovereign choice. He says, I have given it. Lord, why are you not giving it to those people? Or why are you not giving it to those people over there? What about the Amorite and the Hittite and the Moabite and the Jebusite and the Gergesite and all of those people? Why are you not giving it to them, but you're giving it to me? Because it's God's sovereign election. That's why. God who owns everything. People don't like to know that God has a choice. What about this one and what about that one? God says, never you mind them. I'm talking to you. I'll deal with them. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. See, friend, a man recently said to me, how can a loving God Allow people to go to judgment when I think of people who haven't heard the gospel. And, and you know, I understand this plight and I understand this plea for every person as a soul. I understand that. But, you know, I don't know the answer. But this I know, that I must make sure that I am right with him, regardless of family, regardless of friends, regardless of neighbors or work colleagues or whoever is around the world. I must make sure that I am right with God. You must make sure that you're right with God. Lord, why would you save me and not save that person? And not save that person? You know what? I don't know why. But I just glory that he did save me in the cross of Jesus Christ. Here we have God's Election unto grace and favor for Joshua. This was already predetermined in the courts of glory. It was reserved in heaven for Israel. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. For those of us now who are redeemed and those of us who are in Christ. Listen to what it says of the Lord. We have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. God has a reservation for you, made for you. And it's an inheritance in Christ, ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus in the kingdom of God. Think about that. God is withholding that position, yet God is pouring out the blessing now. Listen to what it says in verse 5. Who are kept, that's you and I, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. The fullness of the manifestation of the sons of God. See the word here, reserved. It's a word, terio, that means to watch, to observe, to guard, to protect. To set aside. It's reserved in heaven. It's watched. It's guarded. It gives the idea of someone going, putting something in a safety deposit box. And it's well locked. And it's well kept. Only here, it actually means even more than that. It's what's known as a, 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 the participle is known as a present tense, which is a past completed action having present results. A past completed action having present results. What am I saying? When Jesus died on the cross and cried, It is finished, when he poured out his blood to save you. That blood will never be shed again. Blood of the Lamb was shed once and for all, yet the power of the blood still avails for me and you tonight. It still has the cleansing efficacy and the power and the atonement tonight. The blood of Jesus is as though it was only shed right now. But it was shed once and for all, never to be repeated again. When he cried, it is finished and shed his blood. That was it done and dusted. You just need to receive him as Lord. And that which is reserved in heaven for you is that which is that place in the kingdom of God For all the overcoming saints of God. That that place is, it's kept, it's reserved. It can't be damaged or touched. Because God is guarding it. Let me get my breath back. My toes are opening and shutting here. Hold on a second. Bless the Lord. I think of these things. This is not just try Jesus and try salvation friends these are eternal heavy weighty matters and your soul is at stake stop messing about with it stop messing about with the things of God Peter says they're being kept It gives the idea of constantly being guarded like a guard who stands on guard that's what it means that God himself, only this guard, is the Lord himself, reserved in heaven for you, ready to be revealed at the last time. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall appear with him in glory, and we will receive our full inheritance in him. It gives you the idea of a guard, and instead of 24-7, 24 hours, 7 days a week, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, gives the idea instead of changing the guard, the one guard never changes because it is he who neither slumbers nor sleeps, the Lord himself. This protection is God's response to our faith in which, which we exercised in the Lord Jesus as Savior. You see, faith Lay us hold of this power. And this power strengthens our faith and so we are preserved. Sovereign ownership. Sovereign choice. Here's another one. Sovereign power. Joshua 1 and 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. Notice that. That have I given unto you. Notice here is the sovereign power. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon the sole of your foot, Joshua. Every time you take a step of faith, everywhere you trod, everywhere you tread, every step you take, everywhere you go, he says, every time you get out of bed and walk, he says, you're claiming and walking in the power of God and victory. Now, Yahweh, the living God, gives him a promise The sole of your foot everywhere you tread upon that have I given unto you. A promise is one thing, friend. Possession is another. Pick up your ears for me because this is important to even the Christians here, to every one of us. A promise is one thing. Possession is another. Let me give you an example. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a promise of salvation. But if you don't call on him, you possess nothing. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. There's a promise of cleansing in the blood of the Lamb. But when you don't possess it, it means nothing and has no power. He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Here's acceptance with God, a promise for it. But if you don't come to him, you're still outside. So here God says, Everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you. Your promise is one thing, but possession is another. And there's many people profess Christ, but I wonder about whether they have possession of Christ. Talk about Christ, talk about church, talk about the things of God. But do you possess Him? Is He your possession? A promise, the soul of your food, is stepping out in faith, believing God for the impossible, trusting as Moses did, and enduring as seeing He who is invisible. Believing his word, which is infallible. Step of faith brought blessing, and the step of faith brought victory. Every time they crossed over Jordan, that's another story, and there's more blessing in that, but when they eventually get up and crossed over Jordan, everywhere they walked, they were claiming it for the kingdom of God. They were claiming victory. That's what we sang tonight. Oh, victory in Jesus. They claim victory for God. They claim that the kingdom of God, the power of the Lord, have come upon the earth. And it brought God glory. Puritan Nehemiah Rogers once said, Christ's performances outstrip his promises. When you possess Christ, And Christ is your possession and he possesses you. That which you thought might be good, you find there is more in Christ than you ever could imagine. Listen to what our next one and final one is, the sovereign word. Fourthly, the sovereign word. Joshua 1 and 3 again. He says at the end of the verse, as I said Unto Moses, as I said unto Moses, here's the thing, the Lord comes and says, Joshua, see as I said to Moses, I will be with him, then I'll be with you. Moses is dead, get your own walk, get your own anointing. Moses is dead, follow me in faith, walk with me, talk with me, I will lead you and guide you and direct you. You can't walk in someone else's shoes. He says, now it's between me and you, Joshua. What do you want? I'll be with you. As I said to Moses, that land is yours. Now, do you want it or not? Do you want victory or not? Do you want blessing or not? Do you want to move forward in God or not? For I'm with you, he says, every step of the way. He says, I am with you as I was with Moses. Take the anointing and go with it. as I said to Moses, you know, people forget what they say sometimes. I do too. But God never forgets what he says. People speak in haste. They say things they shouldn't. They say things they don't mean. They make promises they can't keep. They tell you they'll be there and they're not. They promise you and they don't turn up. That's what men and women do. They let us down. Their word means little. And some people, the word means nothing. Nobody can take them serious. Here's something that Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 36. That every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account in the day of judgment. (laughs) Every idle word means every word without meaning and thought. I want to tell you something, every word, every jot, every tittle, every iota, every crossing of a T, dotting of an I, every pause, every dot, every a comma, every expression of speech... Everything which God has spoken comes out of his mouth. He has said it in truth and with thought. It is sent forth in power with meaning and purpose. It is infallible. It is irrefutable. It is absolutely applicable to every man and to every woman in every situation. And it is for the individual, also for the nation. It is for every generation and for every circumstance because God doesn't say things like See what it says in that Bible. See what it says in this book, the Word of God. Every word of it, God meant it. Thank you for your attention. I'm trying to wrap this up. God meant it. When he spoke the words into being, he said, let there be light. It didn't stay dark. His words caused light. Isaiah 55 and 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Here's what the Lord said, As I said to Moses, verse 5, As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Joshua's success depended on these two things, these two companions as he moved into the land. Companion number one was the eternal word. The eternal word. The eternal word is found in verse 5. As I was with Moses, God Himself, the Word was with God and the Word was God, John said. The Word came unto Joshua and stood as a theophany before him and said, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go. You know who that word is? His name is Jesus. His name is the Lord Jesus. The eternal word. And secondly, the written word. Verse 8 says, the book, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest, do, uh, mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt... For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. I think that's tremendous. Here's the word of God. Here's Jesus and his word. He says, take it in your life and you will prosper and have good success. Definitely finish with this. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. Know what the Lord Jesus said, John 20 and 29, to Thomas who was doubting? Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. We're enduring as seeing him who is invisible with the eye of faith according to his word, trusting in the eternal word, our Lord Jesus Christ. Moses represents the law. He's a man of faith and it's all by grace, but he represents the law and he could not bring Israel into the promised land for he must die. You know why? For he had made one failure of the law of God, one failure, and Moses was unable to enter in. That's what it's like, friend, according to the law. It condemns us and shows us our need of a savior. Joshua, is a picture here, Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Type of the risen saviour. He brought Israel into the goodly land. Grace operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can bring men into the enjoyment of that which the law. Because of man's weakness cannot do. Here's something for you to remember. Moses was a servant in the wilderness. Out of Egypt through the Red Sea in the wilderness. Moses was always striving and serving in the wilderness. But Joshua became a son of God. In the land. Difference here. Moving into the sonship. The adoption of the Holy Ghost. John 1 and 12. But as many as received him the Lord Jesus to them give he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Time Fails me to tell you at the end of the book in Joshua 24. Read it as you when you go home. The Lord says, I took, I gave, I sent, I brought. And Joshua's telling the people, the Lord says, he's prophesying. The Lord He's talking as the Lord's mouthpiece. The Lord says, I gave, I brought, I sent. The Lord done it, the Lord done it. And he gets caught up in the spirit of the Lord. And out of the midst of it all, he starts to go into his own language praising God. He says, Joshua lays charge of them and he says to them, When they cried unto the Lord in the darkness between you and the Egyptians, he says, The Lord was there. Joshua sees all that God has done for their great redemption, and he's caught up with it. And you know what he says in Joshua chapter 24? And if you let your eye run down to, the, to verse 15, he's enthused by God's greatness, he's enthralled at God's greatness, and he's energized through God's grace, he cries, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua chose Christ. Joshua, choose the Son of God. Can I ask you something. Are you ever caught up with excitement in the things of God? That you're so blessed in heart, you even want to shout hallelujah and amen? And as for me, never mind him, never mind the rest of Israel, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about your house? What about you? Do you know him? As your saviour, I trust you do tonight. The Lord bless his word. And the Lord bless you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your attendance. The God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps.